You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, welcome back to the DNB Supply Show, everybody. Today we are going to be talking all about pickling. So we talked about preserving through canning just a couple weeks ago, and now we're going to get into pickling, and it's that time of year. It is canning season, and it's already started, but it's going to continue here for another month, month and a half, even going a little bit further than that. So we've got a special guest coming on today, another advanced master food safety advisor who has been trained by the University of Idaho Extension Service. We're going to talk all about pickling and all the different things that you can pickle and the ways to do that. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I think it's really great information, and I know that I am going to be participating in this this fall as well. Joining me today is Sydney Anderson. She's an advanced master food safety advisor with the University of Idaho Extension in Ada County. Sydney, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Dare I say I'm pickled to be here. (laughs) Yes, that's a great pun. Way to go. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's what we're here to talk about today, though, is preserving food through pickling. And you drew the straw to come and talk about this today. So I guess what I would like to do is just kind of ask you about you. Tell us about you and your history and how you came to be the person that's in the studio today. Well, I am now a advanced food safety advisor with Ada County Extension. But in years past, I have been canning for many years. My mother canned, my grandmothers canned. In fact, we still have recipes from one of my grandmothers that we've updated and made safe for now. So I, I've never lived a life of not having home canned foods. I find it incredibly important, not only economically, but for quality purposes. Mm-hmm. So we grow a large garden, we grow an orchard, and so we try to can and preserve as much of our own food as we possibly can. So you've, this is a family tradition, something you've been doing your whole life. Yes. All right. Well, so we're going to talk specifically about pickling today. Let's talk timing really quick. So obviously you want to get the freshest vegetables you can to be able to do this and preserve them by pickling. So it's not something that you can listen to in this episode and then go, yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, I've got some free time in October. Right. You've got to do it when these vegetables, when these fruits are ripe and when they're at their peak. That's true. Timing is important. So you do want to be canning your cucumbers or pickling your cucumbers earlier in the season because that's when the cucumbers are best. Toward the end of the season, the cucumbers get a little weird. Mm -hmm. Now, with kraut, cabbage... And with some of your fermentation, a little later in the season's better because fermentation is best between 70 and 75 degrees. And so early in the season, sometimes it's hard to get that temperature down. So it is important. And the sauerkraut cabbage isn't ready until August or September. Okay. Apples come off later, so September, October. So fresh is best in mm-hmm. terms of any kind of pickling or canning or freezing. Fresh is best. Okay, so this episode's going to come out in late August. So what have we missed by the time that people hear this? And what do we still have time for by the time people hear this? So here we have missed cherries and apricots, but that's primarily it. We still have time for cucumbers. We still have time for tomatoes, for Mm -hmm. zucchini is still coming on. The cabbage is still yet to come peppers are still coming. So this is a great time. Um, When you start thinking about really ramping up, I ramp up my canning in in August. That's when things really start getting crazy. Sometimes you get your your fruits, your your, some of your early berries and whatnot earlier, Mm -hmm. but the majority of your freezing and canning is going to be later. 
And why would we use pickling to preserve food? Pickling is a remarkable method. Just the nature of pickling, by having a, a high acid environment, you immediately disrupt the growth of the nasty pathogens like the listeria and the big one, which is Clostridium botulinum toxin. And so pickling, if you were just starting with your canning purposes or just starting out on canning, pickling is a great place to start because all you have to worry about is getting an acidic enough environment to safely put away those foods. It also adds or provides for great expression in flavors. Pickles come in all flavors. Spicy, sweet, sour. There's a new trend toward pickling fruits that's kind of new. Uh, People are using all kinds of pickled fruits, sauerkraut, kimchi. There's all kinds of things to pickle. And pickling has been used for generations. So pickling is a great way to preserve vegetables and fruit. And so kind of the, the origins of this or the reason that it started was to take care of those harmful bacteria so they wouldn't harm you later when you're consuming the food. Correct. And, and allow you to maintain a food for a long period of time. If you, you know, a, a cucumber in the refrigerator will only last for a few days, mm-hmm. but a cucumber in made into a pickle will last for up to a year. So you said the key to this, the, the key to the safety aspect of it is the acidity. That's correct. Acidity okay. is tremendously important. In pickling, we, we acidify in two different ways. We use acetic acid, which is vinegar primarily, mm-hmm. and we can acidify a low acid vegetable by using enough vinegar to create an acidic environment, which will then only requires a boiling water canner for preservation purposes. Okay. Um, the other method is by fermenting and that's when you put a a vegetable into a salt brine solution for a certain period of time until it has actually changed its composition it's no longer a low acid food the lactic acid bacteria has worked in that vegetable and has changed the the vegetable to become an acid vegetable and so then you can can it safely again in in a boiling water canner Got it. Okay, so how would you accomplish that second method? The second method, the the method of uh, fermentation. For example, sauerkraut, dill pickles, these are the things that we typically, some sweet pickles are done in a fermentation process. Mm-hmm. So you, you would take your product, um, you put, we're looking for about a 20, 25% salt to salt brine ratio to the, with the, with the vegetable, you submerge that vegetable in that brine solution. As far as sauerkraut is concerned, we use the natural juice in the sauerkraut. We don't really add extra liquid mm-hmm. unless we absolutely need some to come to the level that is necessary. But with the, with the appropriate amount of salt, the lactic acid is then encouraged to grow. And in the process of, if you have the right balance of salt to vegetable. You will limit other pathogen growth and encourage lactic acid growth. So it's really a chemistry problem when it comes right down to it. Mm -hmm. It has to be fairly exact. You don't want to just add some salt and hope that that works. You want the right ratios. And then over a period of weeks, cucumbers take up to 14, 15, 16 days Mm -hmm. to completely ferment, whereas cabbage can take up to two or three months, depending on how sour you would want your sauerkraut in the end to be. 
Perfect. Let's take a commercial break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about this really quick. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today. And these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steep in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite D&B supply. If you think buzzing insects are annoying, just think about your horses. Without arms to swing and swat with, flies and gnats can land right in their eyes and ears, leading to sores, infections, and even allergic reactions. So this summer, protect your horses with Dervet Fly Control Masks from D&B Supply. Dervet Fly Control Masks keep a horse's eyes fresh and clean, preventing infections and improving vision for your noble steed. Dervet Fly Control Masks, available with and without ear protection at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Sydney. Well, now that we're back, I wanted to ask you more about this. Now, I've got these memories. My dad, I can remember when I was a kid, made a huge batch of dill pickles. And I can also remember me over-consuming when they were ready. But they were all in glass jars with lids on them. Now, when you make the dill pickles and, and you're waiting that 14 days you were talking about for the everything to work right, the acidity and all of that, are they just in jars like that? No. Okay. Usually they're in a crock. Usually I use a glass container. I have a large crock that I do my pickles in or I have a two and a half gallon glass cookie jar mm-hmm. that I use. And so once they're completely finished in that process, then I would take them out. I usually rinse them off, fill my jars. So that's when it would go from the crock to the jar for preservation. You could actually leave them in the crock mm-hmm. as, as long as they were in a cool place. But honestly, we there's so much problem with mold growth and whatever when you leave something open that generally I will then can my pickles at that point so when you saw them in the jars they had come out of the crock and been canned in the jars okay well i just have this memory of these huge jars of pickles we had tons of them but uh yeah that was one of my favorite things i always loved dill pickles so your experience with this process you've been doing it your whole life yes and then tell me about what it takes to reach the level of being an advanced master food safety advisor An advanced master food safety advisor goes through a course with the county extension office and it's called the master food safety advisor program. Mm -hmm. It takes several months, one day a week you spend from, I think it's from eight o'clock until one or two o'clock in the afternoon going through the, the coursework. And the coursework includes everything from canning, dehydrating, freezing, canning acid foods, making jams and jellies, canning meats and and low acid vegetables. So the the scope is huge mm-hmm. and it takes a number of hours. And I don't recall the actual number of hours that it takes to, to do that. And then you give back to the community because they allow you to do that at a less expensive rate than what it would cost okay. to actually teach that course. And so after that, you've done that coursework, you give back, I think it's 30 hours of community service. And that's done by talking to people at the county fair or answering questions on the telephone. There's a variety of ways to give back your time. But the information is valuable. And if you continue then year after year to do that. So for me, I haven't taken the course. It was years ago that I took the course. Mm -hmm. But now I take refresher courses and there's a few of those every year usually through the winter and the spring. And then I give back 20 hours of community service by usually for me teaching canning classes. 
you're taking the courses, you're giving back through community service every year. So what motivates you to want to be an advanced master food safety advisor? There's two things for me. One is that it keeps me abreast of all the newest information. So as research is done and as details change in the canning community, I am one of the first to know. And that's important for me because I can hundreds of jars of product every year for my Mm -hmm. family. So I want to have the very best information to be doing it in the most appropriate way. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is... If done incorrectly, it can be tremendously dangerous. And so I do really like to encourage people to go back to these old arts, Mm -hmm. but to do them in a safe way. So many people feel that if their grandmother did it in a way, it should still be safe today. But it's not because things have changed. And it's wonderful to embrace what grandma did because so many of those things are tremendously valuable. But it's better to change with the time as grandma did. Let's talk about some of the foods that can be preserved through pickling. So I know there's a wide array. Can you give us some examples of some? Yes. Cucumbers, of course, are the one that comes to mind the, right. the first because we think of all kinds of pickles. So cucumbers for sure. In just some of our and some of the simplest books that we have, we have everything from beans to mushrooms and all kinds of fruits, relishes. I guess that's back to cucumber. Zucchini is a wonderful one. This season has been a great zucchini season. And mm-hmm. so zucchini can be pickled in many ways to taste like zucchini or other things as well. So pretty much if you can imagine it, it really can be pickled. Really? So you can pickle mushrooms? Yes. In fact, they're called marinated mushrooms and they are absolutely delicious. You know, the ones you get when you go to the the salad bar and yeah. that's they taste like that only better because they have had less processing and you can kind of define how you want that done. How interesting. Now, do you have a favorite food to pickle? My favorite really is sauerkraut. And it's not because of the pickling. It's because there is nothing like a homemade sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. There's there's some passable sauerkrauts on the market, but there is nothing like a homemade sauerkraut. It is probably the most rewarding pickling that you do because although you can buy a decent pickle, you cannot buy a good sauerkraut. Oh, really? Interesting. What if you buy it from Germany? That might be different. Now, my brother <laughs> spent some time in Germany, and he, when he makes his sauerkraut, he extends that process so long that the sauerkraut jumps out and smacks him. He likes it very sour. So for you, when, when you say it, the sauerkraut's different, you cannot replicate that by buying it. What is it about the fresh sauerkraut or the sauerkraut that you make yourself that you like so much? I think it's the sourness. Once sauerkraut has reached the fermented stage, once the cabbage has fermented to completely fermented stage, those organisms continue to work and change the souring process. So you can have a less sour sauerkraut mm-hmm. or the longer you let it process, I'm sure there's a point where it doesn't change anymore. But you can extend that for several months and it changes that sour process. Okay. And it is very different. I don't know if the sauerkrauts we buy are truly fermented or if they are a pseudo ferment in mm-hmm. order to try to replicate the flavor. Because it doesn't even really 
really look the same as a as a homemade sauerkraut. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take another commercial break, and then when we come back, let's kind of jump into the process a little bit. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hardworking and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. Good nutrition can mean the difference between best in show and better not go. So how can you make sure your future prize-winning livestock is getting exactly what it needs to succeed? Seasoned showmen and women use Neutrina Show Edge. Neutrina Show Edge provides a simple program that gives you the edge in the ring so you can focus on what it takes to be a winner. Neutrina Show Edge livestock feeds and supplements available at your local D&B supply. All right, Sydney. Well, now that we're back, I want to ask you a few questions about the process of pickling and whatever it is you're trying to preserve. I guess my first question is, how long after picking vegetables from your garden do you have before they need to be preserved by pickling if you're going to do it that way? It depends upon the product. When you're talking about cucumbers, they're very perishable. So cucumbers really, the best possible thing is same day. If you can get your cucumbers processed within 24 hours of picking you are by far ahead of the game Mm -hmm. cabbage also if you're to make sauerkraut it dehydrates quickly and we're using the natural liquid in the cabbage to create the liquid on the sauerkraut so again within 24 hours on that now if you're pickling some fruits you need to wait for them to ripen Mm -hmm. completely because even though you know they're picked sometimes they are not completely ripened but for the most part in pickling the sooner the better now when you talk about the sauerkraut and this is jumping in my head and it's because of my german ancestry and so i want to do this someday can if you're not growing cabbage can you go buy cabbage at the grocery store and make sauerkraut no that's the short answer the reason being there's two different kinds of cabbages that are grown and one of them is a short season cabbage and that is generally the cabbage that's in the grocery store Mm -hmm. its cellular structure does not stand up to the fermentation process well it breaks down it can become mushy whereas a sauerkraut cabbage is a long season cabbage usually they're put in the ground at the same time but they're not ripe until april not april August or September, excuse (laughs) me. And their cellular structure is very different. Sometimes those those sauerkraut cabbages can get up to 100 pounds. They're the big ones. Now, in our valley, we're lucky because it is easy to find a sauerkraut cabbage. Okay. When you go to the farmer's markets and whatever, mm-hmm. if you even if you don't see a sauerkraut cabbage or what you think is a kraut cabbage, if you ask them, they can it, tell you whether they have them or somebody that does. Okay. So they are readily available, but really it is a much better product if you use a sour, a kraut cabbage. Now, when it comes to products like sauerkraut or if you're pickling green beans or whatever it may be, asparagus, is there a shrink or a loss through the process? So I guess if you want to have, you know, if you wanted to have a, a quart of sauerkraut, how much cabbage would you need to start with as an example? That is a really good question. So five pounds of cabbage will essentially give you two to three quarts of finished sauerkraut. So there is definitely a change because you think about all the moisture that is changing direction in Mm -hmm. that. So you need to at least look up these ratios beforehand 
if you know how much you want to have yes at the end yes if you if you know how many how many jars or how what your yield you'd like to be mm-hmm. you want to make sure you have the right amount of cabbage up front and okay. in the process of chopping a cabbage there will be some loss there as well because you remove so many of those outer leaves until you mm-hmm. get nice clean margins and then depending on the size of the core of the cabbage as well that can be a, a, a good chunk of the okay. cabbage okay well let's talk about the process of pickling. So if you can kind of just walk us through it a little bit, how it begins and, and all the way through to the end. Okay. There basically are three types of pickling and each one of them is similar and yet each one is slightly different. So with a quick pack pickle, which is done with acetic acid or vinegar as mm-hmm. the acidifying source, you would fill your jar with your vegetable that is being pickled and then add the hot brine solution which is usually a mix of vinegar maybe some water uh, some spices often salt and fill the jar with that hot solution Mm -hmm. you put your lid on according to the manufacturer's instructions because each one of those is a little different and then you would process it in a boiling water bath as according to altitude by the directions on your recipe now with a with a fermented pickle it's similar you can use the brine that comes off of a pickle in the case of sauerkraut you would use the liquid that's in the crock with the kraut Mm -hmm. and you fill your jar with the with the fermented vegetable add your brine that was that's heated strained if it's dill pickles not strained if it's sauerkraut fill the jar up and again you would put your lids and whatever on and put it in a boiling water bath to finish that processing okay according to the instructions now the new craze is the refrigerator pickle okay and so that is a little different so you take in the case of most refrigerator pickles you would take your fresh vegetable and then you pour a cooled brine solution on them and then immediately put them in the refrigerator and after so many days they're ready to be eaten and they they stay for several months in the refrigerator to be used great well i'll tell you what let's take another commercial break and then when we come back i want to continue kind of asking you about the process equipment what we need to use and things like that okay That's great. Nowhere to go for good-looking boots that won't break the bank. For that authentic Western look on a budget, D&B knows that you can turn to Laredo Boots. Laredo Boots have a loyal following for dealing out that real Western look and feel with detailed stitching and traditional designs from the best of the Old West. They're also known to be tender on the feet while saving your hard-earned legal tender. Stick out around town without the sticker shock with Laredo Boots. Available at your favorite D&B supply. Jumpstart your pet's healing with Vetresin Plus Wound and Skin Spray, Eye and Ear Care, and Hotspot Hydrogel. Vetresin products are safe, non-toxic, and contain no antibiotics or steroids. Make bath time healthier for your pet and easier for you with Vetresin Foam Care Shampoo. It sprays on for quick coverage, foams up instantly, conditions skin as it cleans, and rinses easily. Vetresin Animal Wellness products are the safest, most effective way to help your animals heal. Visit them online at Vetresin.com. Okay, Sydney. So continuing on talking about the process, I wanted to ask you for somebody who just wants to get started, what equipment do they need to go out and get? The equipment actually is very simple. You don't need anything super specialized when it comes right down to it. If you have a large stock pot that will fit a canning jar with a rack on the bottom, because we don't ever want to can straight on the bottom of the pot. So you want to be able to put a a rack in the bottom and then put your jar in and have at least an inch of headspace at the top of that jar for the water to cover and have room for it to boil. That's all you need. And then in terms of if you're doing fermenting, 
if you have a large glass jar, gallon-sized jars are very popular right now. Mm -hmm. And so any kind of a gallon-sized jar, I would never recommend fermenting anything in less than a half-gallon-sized jar. For some reason, the colonies of appropriate bacteria do not do well in the smaller size jars, but they do okay in half gallon. A lot of times the reading will say, oh yeah, you can do it in a quart jar, but often there's more spoilage and loss and you feel a failure when you do it in a quart. So I would never recommend less than a half gallon jar. But other than that, you really don't need to go and spend hundreds of dollars on a fabulous crock. And I certainly wouldn't use a used crock unless you knew exactly where where it had been and what they had put in it. For whatever reason, crocks have a tendency to be porous and they kind of hang on to those bacterias. Mm -hmm. So if you were to cross a pickling crock with a wine crock, you would destroy, you just don't get the right bacteria count. And so end up with nothing working in it. You can't use it for wine and you can't use it for pickling or, okay. or kraut. And so really you don't need specialized equipment. So now when you say a crock, for our listeners who don't know, and I'm in this group, what are you talking about? Okay, the old-fashioned fermenting was always done in a clay crock that were, okay. that were they're, they're kind of, it depends on how big they are. My parents had one that held 150 pounds of cabbage, so it was a very large one. But you can get them even one gallon size, and you have to buy them from specialty places. There are places usually in town that you can buy them, but most of the time they have to be ordered now because it's not something that's commonly done. But it's Mm -hmm. just a thick, straight-walled clay crock. And that's where you're going to do the fermentation. That would be for fermentation. But it's not necessary. You can safely ferment in glass, uh, stainless steel, enamelware that doesn't have chips or cracks or any kind of dings. Mm -hmm. Anything that is food safe, you wouldn't want to... Anything reactive is bad. So nothing that's aluminum or copper, lead, certainly you have to be careful of those things. You can even safely ferment in plastics as long as they are food safe plastics well now let's talk about safety precautions really quick so you the reason we're doing this right is because we want to preserve the food and we want to do it in a safe way so as you're going through this and if you've never done it before what safety precautions do you take so you know when you pull the the lid off later to go eat it you're okay the first thing you need is a tested recipe and sometimes the internet is not the best place for those recipes. So you you want to make sure that the ratios you're starting out with have been tested and shown to be safe. The best places to go get those are the county extension, quite honestly. The county extension does not give you anything that hasn't been extensively tested. So even your grandmother's recipe may no longer accord, you know, with the current Mm-hmm. Um, vinegars have changed for over the years. So, so grandma used to pickle with 7% acidic vinegar. We now do it with, with 5%. So using grandma's ratio would not work. So you want to start with a good tested uh, recipe. And those can be found. Um, the USDA Complete Guide to Home Canning is a fabulous place. One of the best clearing houses is done by the University of Georgia, and it's called the National Center for Home Food Preservation. Okay. And if you just Google 
Can you say that? If you just Google (laughs) the National Center for Home Food Preservation, their site will come up. It's not a fancy site, but they take all of the extensions from across the country Mm -hmm. and all the recipes are there. And There's instructions. There are videos to actually watch. If you've never used a boiling water canner before, you can click on a video and they will actually, you can see it happening so you know exactly what the process is. So there's tons of information that's really good, but it's sometimes harder to find than the information that is dangerous okay so the internet you can find the right recipes on the internet but you got to go to the right sites you have to go to the right places and and don't trust just any recipe make sure that it's coming from a source that would have put in the time and the money to do appropriate testing okay the usda guide just as a comment that is available on that national center for home food preservation it's usually a fairly expensive document but you can download it for free from that national center site okay well that's a great tip for uh, a safety precaution and that's the first thing right is to get that that good tested recipe what's next the next thing then is to follow approved methods so you want to make sure that you're not using vegetables that have any kind of uh, mildew or rot they need to be firm crisp clean vegetables you're not going to end up with a better product than what you start with. So always start with the very, very best. Use non-reactive materials. When we talk about pickling, we're always talking about high acid. Mm -hmm. So you always want to be careful with your plastics, with your woods, with your um, stainless steel is really the best way to go. So a stainless steel utensil, stainless steel pots, uh, it's always best to think non-reactive. Glass is also great because it's easy to be washed and sanitized. A glass jar for fermenting is wonderful. You can put it in a dishwasher to wash it. Whereas with a crock, if you have a crock, it has to be washed very carefully. You can't put it in a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And so sanitizing becomes a different process. You want to be using canning methods or the boiling water canning methods that are appropriate for our altitude. Water boils at different temperatures Mm -hmm. at different altitudes. And so... You want to make sure that you make those altitude adjustments. For our altitude here, if you're reading just a regular recipe, those books usually are written at sea level. Mm -hmm. Because of our altitude, water boils at 209 degrees here as opposed to 212. So we add an extra five minutes of processing time in a boiling water canner in order to make up for that lower temperature. I would have thought of it differently, so I'm glad you said that. Yes. Okay, great. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take our last commercial break, and then we'll wrap it up talking about kind of length of preservation and then where people can go uh, for some classes and some resources around here. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs, looks, and feels? That's why Neutrina offers top line balance and select horse feeds available at DNB Supply. Not all feeds are created equal, and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line. It took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health. So look for the top line balance logo on select Neutrina horse feeds. 
For a healthier top line, stop on by DNB Supply for top line balance from Neutrina. All right, Sydney. Well, now that we've come back, I want to ask you, and I think you touched on it a while ago, but how long will food that you preserve this way last? Most pickled foods, once they are properly canned, are good on the shelf for for a year. Now, the only alteration to that would uh-huh. be if you use oil in your brine. And we would use that in in some recipes for like the mushrooms we talked about earlier. They use a little bit of oil and so do some of the peppers that are pickled. Use some oil. When you use oil in your pickling, it has a tendency to climb up the side of the jar and can affect the um, sealing compound on the lids. Okay. And so those things may only last up to six months. But for most canned and pickled things. We're talking about a year. About a year. So if you find something in the back of your pantry that's been there for a couple of years and it was pickled, should you not take a chance at all? Is there a way to test and see if it's still good or should it just be thrown out? There's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind. One, were the processes used the best processes? So were they good tested processes when mm-hmm. they were done initially? If that answer is yes, then you're going to look at the jar and see if you see indications of spoilage. If the jar looks fine and there's no indications of spoilage otherwise, like that, you know, the spurting and all of those things, pretty much it's safe to use. You're talking about a quality issue because you've had time that's passed, mm-hmm. not a safety issue. But you have to make sure that appropriate practices were used up front. Okay. All right. Well, I, of course, always want to ask how people can find out more. And you've given me a list here, so I, I want to read these off. But uh, at least here in Ada County, and I assume this would be true at extension offices around the state and in other states as well, there are classes offered. And so this list here, uh, every fall, the University of Idaho Ada County Extension Office, uh, they're offering classes uh, just coming up this fall, pressure canning, soft breads, canning basics, pickling, all sorts of different classes to help educate the public. So why does the why does the extension service put those classes on every year? Because again, practices change. The testing is constantly being done and there's always an upgrade happening. Never a year goes by that we don't have something new that comes out in technique. Mm-hmm. And so by offering these classes for a minimal charge, it allows people to come and get new information. Some people have never tried any of these things and sitting in a class and watching or in the case of the pressure canning class when you're actually using a pressure canner hands on mm-hmm. it allows you with a supervisor to get enough information that you feel confident in doing sure. it yourself yeah and for a lot of people that's the best way to learn absolutely right, is to go through it okay well great well so for us here in the treasure valley we've got this available to us every fall through the uh, university of idaho Ada County extension, but my assumption would be that no matter where you're listening, check with your local extension service and see if you've got these classes available to you. And I think that's a great way to learn, especially if you're a hands-on learner. But then Sydney, give us that website again or that service from the University of Georgia that is a clearinghouse for all of this. The National Center for Home Food Preservation. By just Googling that, you can go straight to that website. And even though it's kind of a a dumpy website, it's not super (laughs) fancy. It has 
everything you could ask for. Recipes beyond your imagination, anything you can imagine. And from every category, so canning, dehydrating, freezing, everything that you could imagine that you want to try Mm -hmm. is right there. And then they've added just in the last few years videos to guide you along through the way. It's not easy to try to figure out sometimes just from instructions in a book how to do these things. And so they actually will will step you one foot at a time through the process. There's also the Ball Blue Book is available in almost every grocery store or a place that carries canning supplies. And usually that is a great resource for information. And most of those recipes are good quality approved recipes. The same with the Easy to Preserve book. That's also one that's used through extensions extensively for teaching. And so that one is also a a resource for great recipes. Anything from the National Center for Home Food Preservation is free to download. So recipes and and handbooks from across the U.S., all of those available for free. Great. You had touched on this earlier as well, but when it comes to the type of vegetable you need for certain practices like Uh, Am I right? You need a specific type of cucumber to make pickles. That is correct. You want to use a pickling cucumber for the same reason you want kraut cabbage because the cellular structure is different in a pickling cucumber and it grows to different sizes. There are some new pickling cucumbers that are out that have basically no seed center. And I used one just new this year and there was not a single seed in that center. Mm -hmm. So you end up with, with good pickle all the way through without having that kind of squishy seed center. So are grocery stores the right place to go to find the the right type of vegetable specific to pickling or, or making kraut or something like that? Or do you need to go somewhere else? They're probably not the best resource, largely because the produce can sit there for longer than you want it to. Some grocery stores will carry fresh dill during pickling season. And that's that's a great place to get fresh dill. Sometimes you can find pickling cucumbers, but they look a little bit rough. Because remember, cucumbers don't, they don't age well. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a farmer's market and sometimes you can order with that farmer for a specific amount and a specific size of pickling cucumber Mm -hmm. Uh, the same with the kraut cabbage if you maybe they don't have it sitting on their shelf today but if you order it for next week they probably can get it to you okay perfect all right well thank you so much for coming on today for sharing all this information and uh, for helping to get us started in pickling preserving and, and preserving foods this way you're welcome Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.